This is Jeff Kober with Disney at Work and Disney at Play. We're here today to talk about, well, studio crowds during the holidays. The crowds have been gathering for this holiday time of year, and so during the week of Christmas, we thought we'd share with you what's going on at Disney's Hollywood Studios. From boarding groups to extended queues to restaurants that are reopening, plus some interesting merchandise that's popping up and selling out. We offer you all the happenings that are going on here at the studios in Walt Disney World. Make sure that you not only have a chance to listen to this podcast, but check out our Disney at Play post, which shows a lot of images of the things that we're going to be talking about during this podcast. I had the opportunity to visit the studios twice over the last few days. Um, it's interesting because uh, with a lot of the lower tier annual pass holders not being able to go during the Christmas, uh, the two weeks of Christmas, it's been so much easier to get into Disney's Hollywood Studios, which has always been difficult. What makes it even more wonderful is that when we get to the end of these two weeks, we then go into a new period where we uh, will see guests able to actually go visit or uh, actually um, go check out other parks during the day and actually um, move around the park. So it's going to be great to be able to pretty much uh, maybe not be able to get a boarding pass all the time to Disney's Hollywood Studios, but at least be able to get over to the studios to be able to provide you the coverage that's needed. But actually, that's where we are beginning is with the boarding groups at Star Wars Rise of the Resistance. There's been a couple of changes that have gone on. The first of these was that the, um, and we covered this a couple of weeks ago, where virtual boarding passes were being handed out at 7 a.m. in the morning. And then the second announcement that came out is that the second virtual queue would be opened up at 1 p.m. And that has just started. In fact, the photo I show in, in the pose actually shows 2 p.m., but they have just now begun the 1 p.m. virtual boarding groups. Now that's important because for those who want to park hop, they're going to want to know by one o'clock whether or not they can get that virtual uh, pass to Rise of the Resistance or they're going to want to go ahead and make uh, a change and maybe go to another park. So it was really important that that virtual queue be be upped a little earlier so that guests could then make choices as to how they wanted to spend their time the rest of the day in the parks. Um, I should also mention that while I did do virtual um, a 7 a.m. virtual boarding queue a couple of times, I actually did it from my home, being that I live here close by in Orlando. Um, and so I just actually came in those previous trips to experience Rise of the Resistance uh, after I had made my pass. The second of my trips this week was actually before park opening. I had thought in my mind that with the ability to really kind of book from home or your hotel or wherever you're at, your virtual boarding pass at 7 a.m., you could kind of book your pass, go back to sleep, come over to the park when your uh, virtual uh, when you, they were ready for you in the virtual queue at Rise and go enjoy the studios at your own time frame. I was very surprised that when I got to the studios the second day I came, 
which was early in the morning, the park was very full for this kind of pandemic kind of experience. Not as full as it was back a year ago when Rise first opened. It's been a year since Rise of the Resistance opened. You'll remember the crowds were forming at five o'clock in the morning to get in so that they could be there to make their virtual um, uh, boarding group at um, 7 a.m. and everything was really early and there were huge crowds. We didn't have those kinds of crowds, but there were crowds and there were lines and we're gonna kind of talk about that as we go through. I did have an experience the first day when I went through when I had gotten my virtual pass to Rise of the Resistance, I came in around the noon hour to experience that. In fact, actually I was a few minutes late, but they were accommodating to me. Even though I was a couple of minutes late to my virtual pass, I was out um, shopping and taking care of some things uh, for Christmas. I got to Rise of the Resistance uh, the exterior queue was not being really utilized much, but I do I illustrate a photo. There are these stripes that are put in play every six feet to remind guests how far they need to stand apart. A lot of those are starting to come off and some of them have not been replaced and so forth. But I've started to also notice that after, I mean, we've been doing this since July a lot of guests are just kind of distancing themselves without really paying attention to the stripe. Before, it was all about the stripe, and it still is for some, but I, I notice that most people are just a little bit more casual and they're distancing as they go through the line. And um, that said, going through Rise of the Resistance, I should talk about that before we move on, Going through Rise of the Resistance was a wonderful experience because we were literally in the pre-show within 10 minutes of having entered the queue. It was There was not long waits or anything trying to get through. They're operating uh, quite uh, quite well in the attraction, which um, I if you have um, not had a chance, I did a recent uh, post and podcast um, on my Disney at work site and that post and podcast was five recent Disney attractions cynics got wrong and one of the things I talk about is rise of the resistance and all of Galaxy's Edge actually and uh, there's been a lot of comments about how the ride keeps breaking down and there are still times where it breaks down you should listen to the podcast if after you're done listening to this one, it's the one right afterwards that follows um, rides break down when they open. If you don't want to be on at a day when a ride doesn't break down, a new ride doesn't break down, then you should plan your visit a year or two after a ride opens because it takes it takes a while to get these rides, especially one as complicated as Rise of the Resistance. It just takes a little bit of time to kind of get everything where it needs to be. It doesn't happen overnight. That had happened for over 60 years, I mean, with attractions like the Matterhorn, attractions like Pirates of the Caribbean and Haunted Mansion at Disneyland, this issue of trying to get it to work right, that's been going on for a long time. I also talk about a family that I kind of observed in the queue. And again, you'll wanna, you'll wanna refer to that other podcast, but I think it really speaks to the power of the Disney experience and what happens. By the way, when you're in the pre-show, 
you are kind of put on different dots around the room to again maintain the social distancing because some of those dots have to stay a little closer. They put in plastic dividers between some. They do the same thing on the ship as well as on the ride vehicles later on. Um, it was interesting because mine was on the far right as you kind of face um, Ray and you know the the effect of Ray appearing is so powerful. It it really looks impressive. You actually, if you look at the image, you can see how the um, the glass actually angles off, and when you are forced to stand in that corner, you actually see part of Ray's head cut off. It's kind of interesting because I'd never noticed that before in all the times that I've been on the attraction. But then again, I never stood in that particular corner to see it. Um, but notwithstanding, it was a great attraction. I, uh, I noticed the crowd size in Galaxy's Edge. There were lines for every store, retail operation, uh, restaurant, everything going on had a queue going for it. I decided I might check out Woody's Lunchbox, which um was open and it was um it was about uh 2 25 in the afternoon when i went online to look about making a reservation and you could make a uh, uh um a, um go online to the um um online food ordering um on the app and Ronto Roasters was the first time you could order because there are windows you can order in on the online ordering. Um, 225 to 255. Rosie's was now until 250, which is why I said I, it was like 220 in the afternoon. But Woody's Lunchbox, if you wanted to order out of Woody's Lunchbox, the nearest time you could order at that point was four o'clock. And so what has happened and this is interesting, and I'm not so sure that this isn't going to happen in a lot more restaurants in the days to come. The reason Woody's Lunchbox did not open um, for a long time is because that workspace is an intimate workspace. And to keep that social distancing going on with cast members required, um, it just was not really a feasible thing inside Woody's Lunchbox. What I think has happened is that they have just said, well, we're gonna open this, but we are removing the number of, dramatically reducing the number of employees so that they still can say, stay socially distant in that small space. What that will mean is they won't be able to put out as much food and be able to handle as many guests but they will be able to handle some, and those who want it will just have to put in a reservation uh, for later. So if you are looking to do online ordering at someplace like Woody's Lunchbox, which is, um, which is a fun place to go to, then know you're going to have to, you're gonna wanna put that order in much earlier if you want to be able to uh, eat when you want to eat. What I think that also says about the experience is that some other spaces, now Lunching Pad apparently opened at Magic Kingdom. I have yet to see it open, but they keep saying Lunching Pad was gonna open, which is under uh, Rocket Tower Plaza, under the Astro Orbiter. Casey's Hot Dogs. That is a very confined space. 
But it may be that they choose to add spaces like Casey's in the days to come because, uh, and, and just decide to only handle a very small number of guests. And that way they'll be able to open up these food and beverage locations um, without, um, and provide them, but do it in a, in a uh, COVID responsible way, if that makes any sense. Um, by the way, not to, not to go down a rabbit hole at the Magic Kingdom, but what was interesting, <laughs> but we, have, we are getting to this, the interesting ways guests are being queued in these standby queues to extend them out so that they're socially distant from each other. The one that was interesting to me was Peter Pan's flight, which has now been extended into the Columbia Harbor House, which has been closed since reopening. Um, and their menu, and, and Columbia Harbor House makes sense because it is kind of a confined space um, in terms of it's kind of all the, all the guests dining areas are kind of small rooms the way they've created it um it's interesting because the tomorrowland terrace which has is reopening this week is large and outdoors it's much more covid anti-covid uh, friendly and uh but what makes that location so fascinating is that they have taken the menu like the lobster roll from Harbor House and put it over to the Tomorrowland Terrace so people can have the benefits of that menu. So anyway, it's all crazy. I didn't end up eating at Woody's Lunchbox that day. Um, and I will say the tables still seem to be a little busy. I think it was just acquiring. There were there have never been enough tables outside of Woody's Lunchbox. But anyway, those were really the observations of the first day. Then I came back the second full day. And this was fascinating because as I mentioned, I got there about 8.30, the park was opening officially at 9 a.m. And I really wanted to get there earlier, but I had a client call early that morning and it, it took uh, some time to, to get out the door. But I did get there before a park opening and the park was very full. And as you come down Hollywood Boulevard, there's these signs, I showed an image of this, of two of the signs, but there are four signs. There's one sign that says Twilight Zone, Tower of Terror this way, and um, another that says Galaxy's Edge this way, and another Toy Story this way. They're trying to get you to move in a different direction other than beelining it toward Mickey and Minnie's, um, uh, Mickey and Minnie's uh, um, Runaway Railway. It didn't help <laughs> because, as I show from another image, the queue was very full at Mickey and Minnie's. Now, I would say, so here's the, here's the ultimate message of this, but I'll give some other examples of it in a minute. The ultimate message is be there very early to a park opening. If that's what you want to do is not have to wait in line. Even standing in line, standing in line at 8.30 in the morning before the 9 o'clock stated opening, it's better than standing in the line a few minutes afterwards. And I say that because the problem, the problem that happens at 9 a.m. is that the VIP tours start taking over and walking in into these fast pass places. And as a result, they slow down the lines. But before park opening and after park closing, 
are the times to be in line. And I've talked about this many times. When I usually go to Mickey and Minnie's Runaway Railway, it is two minutes before uh, park closing that I actually jump into the queue. And that queue then ends up going a lot faster because those VIP tours and special assistance passes and all those other kinds of things can't go through after the closing time. The same thing happens with before opening time. So be be warned, but know that at, what was it, by 8.40, there was a 40-minute queue already for a Slinky Dog Dash. Um, and I should mention that was interesting because Slinky Dog Dash and Rock and Roller Coaster, which I'll talk about a little bit later, both of these attractions have removed um, social distancing between ride vehicles. It's been determined that in the two minutes you're going to be on that attraction, the likelihood that you're going to catch COVID from someone who already had their temperature check, who's behind you and you everybody's having to wear their mask seems unlikely. So they've kind of removed the, before they were only like boarding, you know, every other, or putting a space between parties on Woody's. Um, and so that has actually been more filled up, which means the, the queue is moving a lot quicker, but 40 minutes uh, is still the wait time uh, at that hour of the day. So that's not very, again, there has never been a replacement from for getting to the park early before park opening. There's never been a replacement for that. I will say that for the same time period, uh, Toy Story Mania had a five minute wait and and so did the uh, alien ride, which name I can never forget. Am I like getting dementia on these things? Any rate, though that had a walk on uh, as well. Uh, so there were some things, but um, but while I was there, I'm passing by again, Woody's lunchbox and I'm thinking, oh, I ought to check out, I ought to check out uh, breakfast here, see if they do breakfast. They did do breakfast. In fact, they've got really one of the best breakfast bowls, breakfast dishes. Um, it's potato barrels smothered in brisket, country gravy with eggs and um, it's and chives and it's a great, uh, it's a great little breakfast. And um, I highly recommend um, that. And the wait wasn't long, but I, but I put in for that half hour and then went off to do a couple of things and come back at the very end. I'll come back to Woody's in a moment. I went ahead to see Star Wars Galaxy's Edge. It was nice because other than a queue forming, which was a 40 minute queue at this point for Millennium Falcon Smuggler's Run, and it was extending out quite a bit. Um, the rest of the park was was quite open and you could go walking into retail outlets and so forth without having to wait in a line. So that was a really nice uh, thing that I took advantage of and I'll talk about that in a second. However, there was somebody who posted that the standby line, in order to accommodate the number of people wanting to be in the standby line, what they had done is they had opened up the uh, the doors, and I, I don't know how to explain it, but there's a set of uh, widespread doors that allows trucks, big trucks to come in, um, heavy maintenance vehicles. It's between the mountain where where Millennium Falcon Smugglers Run is 
and where the cantina is. I show an image in, in the post. So a year and a half ago, when uh, Millennium Falcon Smugglers Run first opened, the queues were so enormous. They opened up these doors. And at one point in the queuing experience, guests were lined up uh, backstage behind it, which is really bad show. Um, but they didn't know what else to do. I mean, I remember those queues were extending all the way out toward through Galaxy's Edge into Toy Story Land, all back into Galaxy's Edge, all the way back out to where Rise was, even though it wasn't open at the time, all the way out toward the Muppet area or Gal uh, Grand Avenue and backstage in Grand Avenue. I mean, the queues were enormous. The queues aren't nearly as enormous as they were a year and a half ago but they are extended and they still have this struggle with trying to find enough space and they had done this and it was it's kind of bad show but this is the struggle they're having is trying to figure out where to put guests and we're going to show some pretty innovative ways that they've done this uh with tower of terror and and um rocket roller coaster but while i'm there i had a chance to pass by the cantina it's still taking reservations early in the morning but if you go to the mobile, if you go to the reservation app and look for now, you'll see that from time to time they will open up uh, a res during um, during different times of the day, and you can get in on a res the same day. So keep an eye if if the cantina is important to you, keep an eye on your uh, mobile app on the reservation site. That's really important. Had a chance to go into Doc Ondar's. Always fascinating. All of the incredible merchants. This is such a. This is one of the best themed retail stores you could possibly imagine. Across the way at Ronto Roasters, they have the Patty Frog Sipper, and uh, they show uh, an image of that. I had the chance to go into the marketplace where the is it Creature Comforts, where the where the plush creatures are sold, and I asked what's been the most popular item and she said oh well it's been the Cricknus spiders the spiders if you recall were um part of i think uh, the second episode of the second season of mandalorian and they did a retail version of these spiders in the store and they sold out i mean they just sold out immediately and um and so it was really fascinating. In fact, she pulled out her notes on it. They have these little, and I show a picture of this in the show notes page. They have the, this little, um, these little job aids to remind you of what all these different images are and who they are and, and so forth. And it was, uh, it was really interesting to see uh, what was happening merchandise-wise. Meanwhile, across the way in that same outfit, they're not selling the popcorn, which... I have to say, I'm not a popcorn guy, but I thought the popcorn was amazingly great. And so I'm really disappointed that they have not, um, they have not reopened that or reutilized that space in some way. It seems like that would be a creative way to, you know, sell additional retail, if not the popcorn, but do something, but nothing has come of that space went ahead and went into droid depot saw how the operation again there are these plastic panels to separate guests while they're working on their droids also saw a corner 
which is now dedicated to droid parts. So if you've purchased a droid and you want some extra new parts to go with it, this is where you purchase it. It was like $14.99 uh, part, which pretty expensive, but they were doing a three for 10, which again, with an annual pass might be, might be a reasonable price. I might look at that at some point. But anyway, I had a chance to check out. It was great because you just go in and out of these stores and there weren't lines. You didn't have to wait. And it just felt like Star Wars Galaxy's Edge when it first opened. Uh, it was really a nice feeling. Went back to Woody's Lunchbox, grabbed my breakfast. Great breakfast. I have to say, I also ordered the hot chocolate. I wanted to see how the hot chocolate was going to be dispensed. And true to life, they didn't, they, they managed to disappoint. They, I had this experience, what was it, like two years ago, year and a half, I ordered the hot chocolate. I waited and waited and waited forever. Ended up being, they handed me a styrofoam container with hot water and a packet to go mix my own hot chocolate. Well, they're still doing the packet thing. I think this is for $3.29 for a hot chocolate. You'd think they would actually bother to provide the service of mixing. Maybe in a pandemic world, this is COVID safer, I guess. But at any rate, I, I, I don't know why I don't know why they sell hot chocolate there. But um, but the crowds were quite light, and it was easy to find a seat for breakfast. That was the good news, and so I highly recommend Woody's Toy Box for breakfast. Um, of Woody's Lunchbox for breakfast when you are at Toy Story. Um, I posted uh, some of the waits that were happening about that time of day. Um, and true enough, uh, by the time I finished breakfast, about 9.30, half hour into the official time of the day, 65 minute wait for Star Wars um, Millennium Falcon Smugglers Run, 60 minute wait for... Um, um, Slinky Dog, a 70-minute wait for Mickey and Minnie's Runaway Railway, a 60-minute wait for the Tower of Terror, and a 40-minute wait. doesn't show, but I remember it being 40 minutes. In fact, what it is, I headed on down to Hollywood Boulevard. Catalina Eddie's and uh, Rosie's Cafe, still not open, which is very strange because they were advertising new breakfast entrees that were similar to the ones... Uh, that were happening a year ago over at ABC Commissary. That's still closed. But the line, the line for, <laughs> the line for these attractions, these two attractions, that was, so here's how this works. For, for Rock and Roller Coaster, it began on Hollywood Boulevard, then took a right, not a left, took a right into Hollywood Hills, which is the path that leads you to Fantasmic. It went all the way up, I believe, to where the um, where they were taking uh, fast passes for Fantasmic. And then turning everybody around and taking them back out of Hollywood Hills and then in a queue that weaved its way up into Rock and Roller Coaster and through that. Um, through that space. Um, yeah, huge, huge lengthy queue. I don't think most people getting in line knew just how far they were going to get on that ride. By the way, I also took a picture of 
uh, the ride vehicles for Rock and Roller Coaster and and watched about three sets of trains go by, and not every train was filled. So I don't know that they aren't doing some spacing. It was it was a little hard to figure out what their plan was. Meanwhile, at the infamous Hollywood Tower of Terror, um, uh, uh, you enter as if you're going right to the tower, but when you get to the tower, they verge they 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 move you over into a queue that goes through a gate there into a side area that leads into the phantasmic area. And the back half of the phantasmic walkway leading all the way up to the stadium is completely taken up with a queue, extended queue for, uh, for the Tower of Terror. And then it comes all the way um, back into the Tower of Terror and does the weaving through the gardens and through the hotel. Um, and there is another picture I've taken and a long queue. It looks like it's part of the Tower of Terror. It's actually for the uh, coffee stand that sits at the exit of the Tower of Terror. So go figure on that one. Had a chance to visit the gift shop. Um, there are two gift shops that have not reopened since opening. One is Studio One, which was kind of at the exit of the Muppets, and it was kind of selling all of the uh, high-end merchandise, uh, stu studio cells and paintings and figurines and so forth. That has kind of moved into a corner at, at the Hollywood Tower Hotel gift shop. In it was a cell of Olaf. Um, it's called Summertime Pals, and he's standing next to the snowman, which resides outside of It's a Wonderful Gift Shop, which is the Christmas gift shop standing that sits adjacent, but this is all by Mama Melrose, it stands adjacent and across from um, Studio One. This too has been closed, even though it's Christmas time. They've been selling Christmas merchandise on Hollywood Boulevard, but they're if that little store has been completely closed, and yet there's a cell celebrating Olaf at that store. Uh, I, I want to say that's like two ninety five for that. So I was I was quite humored by that as well. Found in uh, the gift shops, I had no idea the Baseline Tap House was doing a T-shirt. Found a T-shirt there, and I found an array. Yes, an array of merchandise, all focused around Hercules and uh, several pieces and kind of cool looking pieces. Uh, so if you love Hercules, the, now's the time to visit the Walt Disney World parks because there's a lot to offer. Always interesting to see what's coming and going on the merchandise scene. Anyway, that kind of concluded my stay at Disney's Hollywood Studios. Well, that concludes our holiday week experience at Disney's Hollywood Studios, but we'll be in other parks throughout the uh, two weeks of Christmas and uh, invite you to join all of our podcasts as we will be continually providing you broadcast coverage during this holiday period. We have not forgotten you. When other podcasts have gone on vacation, we are still working for you. So please join us and please share with others. Uh, this podcast, please subscribe if you haven't already. And furthermore, we invite you, if you would, to check out our new Patreon program as well as where you're going to get exclusive access to podcast videos and some really cool interactive apps from 
uh, the Magic Kingdom at Walt Disney World to Shanghai Disney. We're covering all things that we love about the parks. There are different tiers depending on whether you love um, uh, Disney at Play with all of its Disney fandom or Disney at Work with its best in business ideas for how to uh, make your organization better. You want to check this out. Uh, check out our link. It's on the post page and definitely um, join us as a member of our Patreon group. Again, thanks for joining us. We hope that you are having a Merry Christmas and a wonderful holiday season. In the words of Sinbad Storybook Voyage, follow the compass of your heart. Have a great day. We will see you real soon.